the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. WTBN Pinellas Park. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Listen, even though in our culture we may not worry about having enough food and clothing to continue our physical existence, taking care of our bodies, even with believers, has become a modern day obsession. We give far too much attention to our bodies, how to clothe it in style, what special diet to feed it, how to keep it fit and healthy, how to keep it smelling good, how to keep it uh, warm in cold weather, how to keep it cool in warm weather, how to relax it, how to refresh it. Ralph Waldo Emerson said that he agreed with the lady who declared, The sense of being perfectly well-dressed gives a feeling of inward tranquility, which religion is powerless to bestow. That may be true if you are comparing the benefits of good clothing, health, or any other physical attribute to religion. But those feelings fade to insignificance when we compare them to the inward tranquility that we can experience through a loving, trusting relationship with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is something quite different from religion. Depending on our financial circumstances, we may find cause to worry about anything from where our next meal will come from to the condition of our stock portfolio. Worry does not discriminate, but as we will see today on Verse by Verse, we are meant for something much better than worry. We're glad to have you with us today. Pastor Steve Kreloff is our teacher, and he is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving since 1981. Verse by Verse is an extension of his teaching ministry produced by Verse by Verse Ministries. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus not only told his disciples not to worry, but he also told them why they should not worry. This series of lessons is based on Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through 34. We are just into our second lesson of the series, so if you can follow in your Bible, please turn to verse 25. We live problem-filled lives. Some of the things we call problems, though, are beyond our control. It has been well said that if you can't do anything about something, it isn't a problem, it's a fact of life. Either way, it is easy to fall into the trap of worrying about problems, both real and perceived. Let's go to the Word of God now to see how it can help us to overcome worry. Here is Pastor Steve. And so Jesus is commanding us not to allow certain aspects of our lives to distract us and pull us away from focusing on him. And what specific aspects was he dealing with in the life of these people? Verse 25, we go on to read, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. And now he explains the specifics. As to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Now let's just stop there. The Lord puts his finger on something that the people of his day, as we said, often worried about, is having enough food and water to just stay alive, having enough clothes on their backs to keep themselves dressed. 
Now keep in mind that the people of that era were generally, most of them were, were very poor. And the government offered very little help. In fact, it is estimated that the average citizen of Israel in that day paid at least 40% of his, of his wages in taxes. That would have gone to Rome, would have gone also to keep up the temple and things of that nature. So in addition to this constant lack of money, they often had a lack of sufficient rain. Israel is in a dry climate. Much of it is desert. And a a lack of rain meant a shortage of water, which in turn meant a shortage of food, which then in turn affected the entire economy and would result in making the buying of clothes more difficult. So it was a very vicious cycle. It was a cycle of difficulty. And the people that Jesus was talking to were constantly tempted then to worry about just how they were going to sustain and care for their bodies. Constantly a weight on their mind. And this preoccupation, here's the point, this preoccupation with preserving their bodies distracted them, watch this, from the real meaning of life. And that's why, I want you to note this, that's why Jesus concludes, verse 25, it's important you see this, he concludes verse 25 by raising a significant point to get them beyond themselves to think biblically. He said this, is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? That's a tremendous question. He's saying this, isn't your life more than just a body to feed and to clothe? He's calling them to consider the true biblical meaning of life. Isn't your body more than than something you're just going to feed and clothe? And the answer is, of course it is. There's far more to life than eating and putting on clothing. There's far more to life than just sustaining our physical bodies. That's what he's getting at. See, what Jesus is pointing out is that the biblical concept of life is that God created us, not so we'd be preoccupied with with ourselves, but so we would be preoccupied with glorifying him, with honoring him, with obeying his word. He didn't create us, as we said, to be preoccupied uh, with ourselves and spend the bulk of our time worrying about how we're going to have enough food and, and clothing to maintain life. See, in giving us physical life, I say this reverently, it is the Lord's responsibility, not ours, to sustain our lives. He gave us the life. It is his responsibility to maintain it. Now, we certainly have a responsibility to go to work and earn money to purchase food and clothing. The Lord's not just going to drop food at our doorstep. But the point is that you and I don't ever need to be anxious that God will stop providing for our needs. That's what the Lord is teaching. In other words, since he's the one who gave us life, it's his responsibility to provide enough to keep our lives continuing until he chooses to take us home to heaven. Here's how Martin Lloyd-Jones explained the meaning of Christ's words about life being more than, than food and the body more than clothing. I quote, what does our Lord mean by this? The argument is a very, is a very profound and powerful one and how prone we are to forget it. He says in effect, Take this life of yours about which you are tending to worry and become anxious. How have you got it? Where has it come from? The answer, of course, is that it is a gift of God. Man does not create life. Man does not give being to himself. Not one of us ever decided to come into this world. And the very fact that we are alive at this moment is entirely because God willed and God decided it. Life itself is a gift, a gift from God. So the argument which our Lord uses is this. If God has given you the gift of life, the greater gift, do you think he's now suddenly going to deny himself and his own methods and not see to it that your life is sustained and enabled to continue? 
God, he writes, has his own way of doing that, but the argument is that I need never become anxious about it. What a great statement. I think that's exactly what the Lord is talking about. The purpose of Christ's words is to call us to consider the real meaning of life. Why did God create us? What is our purpose in living? Those are basic questions. Is it to live our lives obsessed with trying to survive, to keep ourselves alive? Or or is it to focus on honoring him and glorifying him? Scripture makes it very clear that, that the purpose for which God has given us life is so that we would give him pleasure by honoring him, by worshiping him. Hear these verses. In Revelation 4.11, we're told this is the worship in heaven. They say this, Worthy are you, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power. Now, let's just stop there. Worthy are you. God is worthy to receive all glory and honor and power. And then we're told, here's what they say in heaven, For you created all things, and because of you, They exist and were created. In other words, he's saying you created all things to turn around and give you glory and honor and power. That's why you created them. Hear this, Colossians 1.16, speaking specifically about Jesus Christ. For by him, all things were created. Jesus is not only our savior, he is the creator. Both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. Now note this, all things have been created through him. And Paul says, and for him. Why did God create all things? For his pleasure, for his glory. That's why you and I have been created, not to be obsessed with ourselves. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Even the most mundane things of life are are to be done to honor the Lord, to show him off. And that's precisely where Jesus is heading with his arguments about worry, because he winds up this section in verse 33. It actually goes to verse 34, but the crescendo is really verse 33 in which he says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. Don't be like the pagans who who make everything revolve around pursuing things in life. You are to make sure you seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. See, folks, this is what life is really all about living for Jesus Christ. That is precisely why the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1.21, when he was in Rome under house arrest, not knowing whether he was going to live or die, he said this, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. Great statement. Paul wasn't sure if he was going to continue living or they were going to pull him out and, and chop his head off. They didn't, but he didn't know that. They didn't at this point, I should say. But he stated that his supreme goal was to exalt Christ, whether he was alive or whether they were going to execute him. I once heard an interesting definition for dietary fiber. It was referred to as a wood byproduct that we eat so we can live 10 more years and continue eating fiber. Of course, that was tongue-in-cheek, but it does say something about the focus of our lives before we come to Christ. Everything is physical. We do need to take care of ourselves, but only so that we can serve God better, not so that we can live longer. Once we enter into a saving relationship with Jesus, life takes on a whole new dimension. We'll get to that right after we welcome those who might have just come into the classroom. We're glad you could join us today. You're listening to Verse by Verse with Pastor Teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve is the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida, where he has been serving since 1981. 
Thanks to this radio station and the work of Verse by Verse Ministries, his practical messages are now available to a much broader audience. We are in the early stages of a study from the Sermon on the Mount about worry. Did you know that worry is a sin? There are people who don't know that. And then there are those of us who know it, but we still struggle with it. And that is the purpose of this series of lessons, to help us overcome the sin of worry. If you can follow in your Bible, we're in Matthew chapter 6. Now here's Pastor Steve with the rest of today's lesson. See, Paul understood the question that Jesus raised in Matthew 6.25. Isn't life more than just physically surviving? Yes, it's about exalting and honoring Christ. Think about that. For me to live is Christ. Now, it's obvious that those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ don't, don't live for him at all. They live for themselves. That's the essence of sin. And in doing so, they are preoccupied with taking care of their bodies. After all, what else do they have? That's life. That is life to an unbeliever. It's all about me. So they worry about sustaining their bodies because they have no other dimension in life. There, there's no other valid spiritual dimension. It's all about, as that old BG song says, staying alive. That's what it's all about. So they operate only on that physical level and they center everything about taking care of their physical body so they can continue to have physical life. Because as I said, what else is there? That's it. Take that away and they have nothing. But listen, even though in our culture we may not worry about having enough food and clothing to continue our physical existence, taking care of our bodies, even with believers, has become a modern day obsession. We give far too much attention to our bodies. How to clothe it in style, what special diet to feed it, how to keep it fit and healthy, how to keep it smelling good, how to keep it uh, warm in cold weather, how to keep it cool in warm weather, how to relax it, how to refresh it. Now, there's certainly nothing wrong with being a good steward of our bodies. I mean, we should be. We should do the best we can to take care of it, take care of them. And there's really nothing wrong with even some occasional legitimate pampering of our bodies at times. There's, There's certainly nothing wrong with that. But it's a false view of life that spends an excessive Amounts of time paying attention to our bodies. In principle, this, this modern day pandering of our physical beings is really no different than the people of Christ's day who obsessed over their bodies. Because uh, regardless of whether it's um, trying to keep cool or warm or doing that and, and, and food, both reactions reveal a misunderstanding of the biblical concept of life. It's focusing on ourselves rather than on the God who gave us life to honor him and trust him to sustain our lives. We're not to center everything around us. And that means that, that he will provide for the needs of our bodies. We are not to worry about those things. We're not to be irresponsible, but we're not to worry. And that brings us to a second reason why worry is wrong. The first reason is because worry is completely incompatible with a biblical concept of life. We're worrying about something that's not our responsibility. It's God's responsibility to take care of us. Second, the second reason that worry is wrong that Jesus points out is because worry is incompatible with the character of God. Not only the, the concept of life, the biblical concept of life, but the very character of God. That's why this is such a, a serious sin. I want to read to you again verses 26 through 30, and then we'll, we'll deal with them. Jesus said, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow nor reap nor gather into barns, 
and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? And why are you worried about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon, in all of his glory, clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today, tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? Now, the key to understanding these verses, the point of these verses, is that last phrase in verse 30. Look at it. You of little faith. Jesus labeled these people who were so worried about food and clothing as those who had little faith. Now, he didn't mean that they had no faith. Remember, the Sermon on the Mount is directed to believers, not unbelievers. They had faith. They were his followers, but their faith was small and shallow and at times very superficial. In fact, very similar to many of us. They were so similar to many of us in that they've trusted Christ, just like we have. We've trusted Christ with our souls for all of eternity, but we have trouble trusting him to provide for our temporary daily needs. That's why Jesus said, yes, you have faith. You have faith in me as Lord and Savior, but on a day-to-day basis, you have very little faith that I can sustain you, and, and so you worry. So in order to stretch their small faith and ours, Jesus presents God as our heavenly Father, who can be trusted to provide for every one of our needs. And how do we know that we can trust him to meet our needs? Well, the Lord gives us a couple of illustrations about God's caring character by reminding us that he feeds the birds of the air as well as clothes the grass of the field. And his point is, if he does that for them, and that's an animate and an inanimate object, then certainly he can be trusted to provide food and clothing for his children. And so he begins these two illustrations of God's care by drawing his attention, uh, drawing the disciples' attention to a little bird watching. He says in verse 26, look at the birds of the air, but they don't sow, nor do they reap nor gather in barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not worth much more than they? He called for those, as I said, he called for those who were there with him to look at the sky, and it may very well have been, been uh, a reality that birds were flying by when he said this. We can't prove that from the text, but there uh, are many birds in the Galilee area of Israel where Jesus gave this sermon. And so it's very likely, very likely that while some were flying by, Jesus said, look at the sky, look at these birds, look at the birds of the sky. And what does one see when he considers birds? Well, Jesus pointed out this about birds, that that they don't sow, they don't reap, they don't gather their food in barns, yet God still feeds them. He cares for them. And Christ's obvious aim in pointing this out is to say this, look, if if God provides food for these simple creatures, then why do you worry that he won't take care of you? You're, You're his children, created in his image, saved by him. Christ died for you or will at this point, he will have died in the future for them. Why, why do you worry? I like the way one, one Bible teacher explained Christ's words. He says, there are millions and millions of birds, and by large, they are healthy and happy. None of them are suffering from hypertension. None of them are suffering from stress-related diseases. None of them uh, care. None of them have worries. God takes care of them, even though, unlike us, they do not sow or reap, and God will take care of us too. Now, 
I do want to be careful at this point, lest we misunderstand what Jesus is saying. When he said that birds don't sow or reap or gather in barns, he was not suggesting that we no longer work, that we no longer work or that we abolish farming or that we do away with all the the procedures to obtaining food. He wasn't encouraging us to sit back and do nothing and just pray that God will drop miraculously some food at our doorstep. Remember what Paul told the Thessalonians, he said, if a man will not work, neither will he eat. And listen, that's not how birds operate either. That's not how God works with birds. Birds work very hard for their food, very hard. God feeds the birds, but he doesn't, he doesn't do it by stretching out his hands, filled with food and dropping it into their little chirping mouths. As someone wisely observed, it never rains worms. I mean, think about birds. What else do they do? They have no social life. What do birds do? They're extremely diligent in going after fish and worms and insects. In fact, that's what they're doing most of the time. That's just what birds do. They are always going after food for themselves or for their young. Listen, you watch pelicans, and they're, if they're not diving into the water, they're going across the water looking with their great vision underneath the surface of the waters to, to try to see what fish are there, and then they plunge in. Birds seem to be always on our lawn searching for worms. At least that's true on my lawn, which may be revealing about my lawn. But birds are there a lot, searching for food. And birds continually go back and forth to their nest, either, either with food or looking for food. I mean, they don't do much else. That's it. So far from being laid back and, and lazy, birds are quite diligence but ultimately and this is our lord's point ultimately it's god who supplies the food and feeds them he provides for them they don't provide for themselves they work for it they're very diligent but he provides the food and that's the same way god provides for us he will not do a miracle by performing performing some astounding feat as the normal way that, that you get food. No, the normal way is that you, there's farmers and there are fishermen and you go and there are butchers and there are grocery stores and we work hard and we pay money and we get our food. It's not through miracles. There were times in biblical history God did that, as in the case of Elijah, but that's not the norm. And the point that Jesus was making is that if God so, is so faithful to provide food for birds, then, then why, why would we worry about God meeting our needs? After all, birds are relatively insignificant creatures. They're, they're simple creatures. They have not been created in, in his image. Christ hasn't redeemed them. They haven't been adopted into his family. Yet he provides for them. And, and the Lord is saying, then why worry? Won't you, won't you trust me to provide for you? See, the very character of God compels us not to worry. It's not just Jesus saying, don't worry. He's telling us why. Because God is a loving, heavenly father to his children who will meet your needs. When God asked Abraham to sacrifice his beloved son, Abraham was willing to obey because he knew God would provide. Then on Mount Moriah, as Abraham was about to do God's bidding, God stopped him and provided another sacrifice, a ram caught in a bush. So Abraham named the place Jehovah-Jireh, the Lord will provide. Another good way to translate it is, the Lord will see to it. God provided a sacrifice for us in his beloved son, and he will provide for everyone who will trust and obey him. Pastor Steve Kreloff will conclude this three-part message on the next verse by verse. I'm Peter Silseth, and I'm glad you were here with us today. 
Pastor Steve has been serving as the teaching pastor for more than 27 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Now his practical messages come to your radio through the work of Verse by Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry made possible by the prayers and gifts of listeners like you. If you would like to hear this entire message, please call us and order a CD or a cassette. Our phone number is 727-441-1714. Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during weekday office hours. Our number again is 727-441-1714. We invite you to visit our website to hear today's class again or many of the previous classes that are available. The web address is versebyverseradio.org. While you're at it, you might like to sign up for our newsletter or the podcasting service. Both are free of charge. That's versebyverseradio.org. Are you prone to worry? Many of us are. When you worry, does it seem like God is distant? Well, there is a good reason for that. Join us for the next Verse by Verse as we consider what worry says about our relationship with God and just how foreign worry is to His character. You've been listening to Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. This program was pre-recorded. To learn more, including how to donate to this ministry, visit versebyverseradio.org. That's verse... We are here to give you strength between... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.